Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and my guest for this episode is the creator of The Red Mask from Mars, MI666, Murder Road, Stalkerville, several other comics, and the awesome comics podcast. It's a big warm welcome to Vince Hunt. Good morning, Vince. Good morning. A warm welcome is very much appreciated. Um, on the first day of snow, yes. I've seen in quite some time. It's nippy out it's there, just, isn't it? It is, it is. But comics will always keep us warm. Not going to burn them, but to keep warm. Never, never. I'd burn everything else before the comics. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> and we've got two books to consider today that nobody's going to suggest burning. But before we get to them and to all your other projects, let's do your 2000 AD or comics origin story. How long have you been reading comics, Vince? Oh, it's the cliched line of um, as long as I can remember, isn't it, really? I wasn't someone that started with like 2000 AD. And my relationship with 2000 AD is, is very much a dipping in and out kind of kind of thing. And it was more about uh, for me, the weekly, the weekly comics, like you know, your actions, your your battles, and stuff like that, or or you know, and very much as well, like you know, as I when I was a kid, the turtles, the Ghostbusters, all of that stuff. But my, I was always drawn and taken by the Marvel stuff. But of course, when you live in the middle of nowhere and you can't get comics for love nor money, the weekly comics become your, they become your weekly hit. Because you can't, you you know, whereas we didn't have spinner racks and things like that, so they weren't easily available. Whereas, you know, something like Roy the Rovers or Battle or something like that was always there mm. every week in the newsagent. And it would shut me up and I would <laughs> sit, down, sit down and read it. And I, I was always, I guess I was always aware of like the the UK weekly scene. I, I guess when you're a kid, you don't think about the difference between the US comics and the UK comics. It's all, it's all just comics. Yeah. It's all good. And, and certainly I've with um, things like comic marts and um, over the past, like five, 10 years, I've gone back to rediscover a lot of the stuff that I, you know, on the, the nostalgia trip, which is kind of, you know, there's some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is, is very much sort of that as, um, my nostalgia started in one place and then led me to the book we we're going to talk about later. It's that sort of going back in and rediscovering all the bits that I didn't necessarily like as a kid, like um, uh, Doom Lord. Oh, right, yeah. I, I wasn't too fussed about Doom Lord, but uh, when I picked up Eagle, yeah, Eagle was another big one for me, actually. Right. It was, was a really big one, especially because, um, and it sounds strange, but <laughs> my Dan Dare was originally the the Roy of the Rovers down there, the blonde hair right. down there. Yeah. Because I think that was, I don't know when he started being that sort of Flash Gordon lookalike. Sort of, yes. The Ian Kennedy type covers and yeah. so on. Yeah. 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 So it, I think it was sort of battle that which led to Eagle. Well, there was, of course, like the, the Beano years, but as soon as you, you dip your toe into sci fi and yeah. And it, yeah. So that was kind of it for me. I, I think without knowing it and certainly look back, looking back on it now, the UK comic scene had far more of an influence on me as a reader and as a person than I, than I thought possible. Because I just thought, oh, I just started reading Marvel and I love Marvel. Right. Yeah, it was just Marvel. You know? And I certainly did. Mm. I, certainly, I certainly did. I was still, you know, I was upsetting my parents by drawing in the pages of all their sort of books because I didn't have any paper handy, so I draw stick figures of uh, Captain America in the in the blank pages before a novel. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So um, 
I guess I couldn't tell you a year that I started. It just feels like it's always been there. Right. Yeah. And what and about... I, that, that, that's probably the same for a lot of people, actually. It is, yeah. What about mm. Speed Comic, a short-lived Speed Comic from 1980 to 1981? Was that something you found when you were going back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And things like Tiger. Right. And certainly uh, things like that, you know, because um, a, lot a lot of this stuff was sort of before my time or, you know, before I could read. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. And that's part of the joy of, like, it's not research, but you know, you're going back and you're just looking at, oh, that's where this strip come from, and that that's that's the importance of collections as well, I think. Yeah, um, because you can just look at all this stuff. That where are you going to be able to find it? Do you know what I mean? You, you won't be able to find it. Ways you can read it nice sequentially in in a row. Yeah, and like Speed Tiger and all this stuff. Uh, there, there was a period where I didn't know that the I didn't necessarily know that these comics existed. Do you know what I mean? Because in my purview, it was always you had your your battle, your eagle, your two thousand AD. Yeah, that kind of that that was all that kind of existed. I know there was um there was also the comics for girls and stuff like that as well. And but you know, I w- I was in that sort of bubble. So discovering like comics like Speed. I mean, I literally know hardly anything about Speed, and it only lasted what thirty one issues, I think. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, 31 issues is amazing for a comic. <laughs> yes. But, uh, <laughs> but th- this is when... Um, is it DC Thompson? Was it a DC Thompson one? No, this was an IPC one. IP, yeah. Uh, so, and it... the comic. I mean, the comic we're going to be talking about starts in speed. It goes to uh, Tiger, and then it ends up in the New Eagle, I think. So it's all through those mm. British weeklies that were coming and going, and some of them would stick mm. around a bit longer. And speed didn't stick around all that long but strangely uh british comics seemed to do this in the 80s if the comic had folded you'd still get an annual for a couple of years afterwards <laughs> you know yeah once a year so so this one includes a couple of speed annuals which is after the book had folded and i think scream did that as well the horror comic you know there would yeah, be a that, scream that, annual. That, was, that was a big one for me even though like you know i, I only read a, a couple of issues right like, scream was one that's that stuck with me um, I don't know. In, in re- recent years, I I bought their Hibernia books, yes. sort of little history about Scream and yeah. stuff. But, you know, stuff like that's fact. And that by reading things like that, you realise what goes on, what went on behind the scenes, and the and what publishing was like, and that's sort of fascinating. Yeah. So tell us, yeah. we've we've sort of teased about it. What is the strip that we're going to start with um, first of all? Well, we're 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 talking about um, the infamous Death Wish collection. Which is published by it's Rebellion who published it. Yeah. Treasury of British Comics on the back. Rebellion. Um, it's a nice little collection, lovely size. I, I think it's it's interesting that it has Speed Presents written on the cover. Oh right, yes. It, it's it's tucked in the in the top right, but I think oh they're still they're still acknowledging where it came from, even though it did sort of bounce about like a pinball. Yeah. And even that this is a, a collection of. Is it everything that happened? Is it all of Death Wish? I'm not. I think sure. it's all of Death Wish from Speed. Mm. Um, plus, as I say, two stories from those two Speed annuals that came in eighty one, eighty two. It's written by Barry Tomlinson, who we're gonna. I'm going to ask you about yep. in a moment. The artist is listed as Vanyo. That's uh, definitely going to ask you about that. We got a cover by Robin Smith with Vanyo images um, on there as well. 
I remember, Vince, I remember, the reason I asked you about this because I remember you tweeting about this when the collection came out um, to, about two years ago, I suppose, now. Yeah. Uh, what was it about this one that stuck out to you? In, in a word, and it is a single word, Vanyo. Right. <laughs> is, what, is what took me to it because, obviously, one of my favourite artists of all time, even though it's it's two people, but we'll get into that. Uh <laughs> And certainly, being a huge fan of that, them sort of doing the deep dives, and I'd heard Death Wish was also a character that it it definitely intrigued me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't read it, but it was one that one that I missed. Do you know what I mean? I didn't necessarily, I, you know, I wasn't reading at the time. This wasn't a nostalgia thing. This was a discovery for me. So you know, um, I was like, oh, Death Wish. Oh, that'd be nice to read some of that. I'll look for some in a comic mart. And then this book comes out, and it's almost. It's made for me, right? <laughs> in, 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 a, in a sense, it's one of those. Oh, brilliant! And of course, Barry Tomlinson's, as I've as I seem to discovered, he's written a lot of stuff that was major in my life. <laughs> uh, so I was like, right, I'm I'm getting that straight away. And I know um, this at a time where Rebellion was putting, you know, it's a, it's a similar sort of size and publication that like uh, I previously got the Turbo Jones, right? Yeah, um, from Wildcat, and I know there's a Loner one which I've yet to get but that's another one and they're, they're a lovely sort of format yes yeah they are beautiful collections mm. um for anybody who hasn't come across death wish from speed or from the other comics it featured in what's the uh, elevator pitch what's the sort of basic um idea of the story well a death wish is it's all about blake edmonds who i always want to say blake edwards yes uh, <laughs> the pink panther guy yeah yeah um but blake edmonds is basically he's a he's a world famous stunt sort of driver and, and like an F1 driver and like he's got it all do you know what I mean he's got the looks that classic sort of 1970s Formula 1 driver kind of look yeah you know? James the Hunt money, the yes. looks, yeah that kind of thing and then he has a terrible accident which leaves him um, disfigured like as in like really badly yeah and he basically fashions a mask um, so that he can wear and he he starts his career as a stuntman. So and but but with the the basic premise is he's a stuntman and he kind of wants to die. Yes. So no stunt is too dangerous. They're like, oh, you could never jump between those two mountains. I'll do it because of the way he thinks about it is if it goes wrong, I'll get what I want. Yep. Um, which looking at it now, that's pretty grim. It's a grim. <laughs> But it's all sort of um, fashioned and painted into, you know, your weekly adventure strips. And certainly as the as the the book goes on, I did notice it, it became sort of like he became more of a not dashing, but almost an adventurer. Sort of like you know he was thwarting villains and stuff like that. He, he sort of moved more into that rather than I'm going to try this and hopefully it will kill me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Um, Which the more you I think mean, about it, the more grim it does sound, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's many, many moments in this book where he he looks to the camera because there's a lot of... I mean, he's looking at the person he's talking to, but obviously as a reader, he's looking directly at us. And he, there's lots of moments where he does look directly at the reader and just sort of goes, well, if I die, I'll get what I want, or things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like, wow, okay. this dude... I mean, he literally... It does what it says on the tin. He has a death wish. Yes. Um, um, but obviously another thing that sort of drew me to it is, is like, he's got that mask. The mask is very important yeah. through the whole thing. 
Um, and that's that's the comic book side of it, isn't it? Creating this sort of cool looking mask, which yes. only goes over the front. Of, does it go over the front of his face? I think there are straps around some the back. shots where you see it sort of over the top of his head, or he's got straps around the back, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks it's kind of it is i think it's supposed to be like a leatherish short mask but it's got a almost a doctor doomy kind of look yeah it looks almost quite metallic in yeah. the way it frames his face um yeah so that's basically the the uh, the weekly adventures of a man doing death defying um leaps but driving cars through burning buildings and crashing planes trains and automobiles <laughs> yep yep i mean it's got uh, I, I mean this came about at the time when like stunt people were it was the boom of the stunt yes person wasn't it really and uh, you know and so because i mentioned I in our notes evil knievel and then those sort yeah. of like motorcycle riders eddie kid barry sheen yeah who were famous for how many bits of metal they had holding them together and you know yeah yeah, yeah. and how many cars they could jump yes and exactly how, how long they were on fire yeah and things like that and this was definitely a character like because it's a character strip um, you know, he's not. I mean, I don't think he's called Death Wish. Do they call him Death Wish? I don't he's think just he's Blake referred Ed- to it as that. He still gets referred no, to as Blake, Blake Edmonds, doesn't Blake he? Blake Edmonds, isn't it? Yeah, and he he does. He is infamous, and like you know, people are still aware of it. his his sort of exploits are still quite public. Um, and it's just a it's a, a fascinating read. I mean, it says on the back of the book, the greatest daredevil of them all, because he doesn't care if he lives or dies. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, even even without, you know, the you know the comic book disfigurement or the mask, that's certainly something that would catch someone's attention. Yeah, that sort, that sort of line. So, and it, it was, it's just been fun. It's been fun to read this. And I noticed it did that real sort of classic British weekly thing of setting up a, a sort of like you know an explosion or a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. And obviously, you know, he doesn't die. And then the next episode, they resolve that, and then they set up the next one. And it's a bit, it's almost that Billy's Boots thing, you know, how many times can he risk death? He he falls a lot Yes, in this. He falls off mountains. There are lots of um, panels, like pages of him falling to his death. And then next week, he lands in some water, and he's okay. Yep. Um, you know, but it still goes into elaborate detail narrative detail of how he manages to survive and what his psychological state is i noticed there's the one that for some reason stuck out to me despite all the train crashes and everything when he's doing a blindfolded parachute jump with a hood over his head and in the the end of the strip is him basically plunging towards like a lightning rod on the top of a church spire which is going to impale him at the end of the episode and as you say, he does a lot of falling and and uh... yeah. I mean, there are it's you know, I mean, it's stunts, isn't it? So yeah. it's it's driving. It's um, you know, there's some wonderful car stuff in here as well. One of the things that gets me is he always uses his, the reveal of the face. Yeah, like everyone to to everyone he meets. If he pulls off that mask, they always have the same reaction. They're always like, ah, get away from me! <laughs> it's horrible. Cover it up. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So Barry Tomlinson, you've had him on the Awesome Comics podcast. I went back and listened to episode one forty-seven uh, yeah. on the website, April twenty eighteen. Uh, so you got a chance to talk to him, didn't you? Yes, yes. And this was before this 
had come out. This book, yeah, this 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 come out. I mean, we were talking, and we were certainly talking about like their history of books, and like you know, Barry's obviously a a living legend. Yes, um, of the UK scene, and um, I mean, I, I, it happened on that show. Um, not, and one of the reasons I consider him to be a massive legend is because he he sort of created and wrote Stormforce, right? Which for me was my strip no matter how silly it is it's and that's what got me into vanyo and like um it's one of the things that people know me for you know i absolutely love this book and you know you know that comic strip and that was certainly another weekly one and then he just casually sort of said oh yeah when we created that and i was like say again did you just <laughs> <laughs> pardon <laughs> um but i mean it's very much in those um in those days of it it was work, wasn't it? They were just churning out all these stories and yes. these strips. And, yeah. You know, it was very much, oh, we just had to meet this deadline. We just had to, we had to create this. So, yeah, we just put the book out. And who would have thought that like 30, 40 years later, you get people going, this is my favourite thing ever. Yeah. Which for someone else was a job. But yeah, Bar- Barry's just an, uh, he's, I mean, also he's just a lovely guy. Yes. Supremely lovely guy. I know um, he's a very, he was very much, um, probably a lot of people probably know him from Royal Rovers. Yeah things like that but for me like his action stuff's really good yeah um and i know his son wrote a lot of stuff as well oh right okay he wrote a lot of, yeah he wrote a lot of storm force as well um yeah yeah there's there's so much of of barry's work i mean this it, it he has a voice as well and i think it is it is kind of the voice of weekly british comics yeah Yes, it is. Yes, the the way that things read and the the pacing of it, and um, a lot of it is the sort of narrative, and you know, as actions happening, you get like the narration boxes over the top, telling you how the character's feeling, and tune in next week, folks. Yeah, kind of stuff. Is this Um, really the end of Blake Edmonds? Find out next Saturday. It says at the bottom of this page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you turn over and go, "Oh no, he landed all right." Yeah, so yeah, Barry and Barry's been kind of a, a, a definite sort of discovery for me. Um, because, like I say, when you're a kid, I mean, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I wasn't someone that was looking at the credits boxes, you know, I was just enjoying, you know, I was enjoying the story. No, stories. we don't do it, we just enjoy the stories. No. That's it. It's later, yeah. later we discover the wonderful stories of these creators. And as I say, I'll put a link to episode 147 of the uh, the ACP because that's a great mm. interview. Um, let me turn you to the art question then. <laughs> the, you know, from one masked mystery figure of Blake Edmonds, um, Vanyo. Now, I confess, I didn't know much about Vanyo before looking at this book and doing the research. Tell me about the uh, the sort of, um, I suppose you'd call it pen name of Vanyo. Yeah, Vanyo is... Um... It always stuck out to me. I mean, that it's it's a nice short, memorable, you know, memorable yeah. name. Um, and I thought, oh, I I must find more art, artwork by this artist. And you're looking into it, and you're discovering all the different books that they've been part of. And you just thought, shit, I remember that. Part my part my French. I remember that when I was a, uh, you know, when I was a kid. And then I when I looked into, it, I realised it's not one person, but two brothers. Yes, two Spanish brothers. Um, and I want to get it right. I've got, I've got Eduardo Vanyo Ibarra and Vicente Vanyo Ibarra. Sounds perfect to me. Oh, wow. It's as perfect as I'm going to get it. Um, and they basically, they, 
I think they came onto these books purely, as as we said earlier, it, it, was, it was a job. They were part of an art agency. Yeah. Um, they were brought into the UK comic scene because they needed some artists for it. They were reliable. Um, and they did a vast amount of work for them. Um, they've even done like, you know, some two days AD Judge Dredge stuff. Um, another one that's um that I haven't read and I haven't seen any of, um, The Mind of Wolfie Smith. Oh yes, Tornado. that's right, Tornado, that crossed out, um yeah. Yeah. Crossed over that into sounds like another I mean yeah, I mean there was a lot of crossovers, weren't there? There were a lot of like a character moves from one one comic to another. Um and obviously they did Turbo Jones I mean for Wildcat, that was one of the reasons that I picked up the Turbo Jones right. which is still sort of beautiful stuff. And but Death Wish was, I kind of I guess I say earlier work um, because it does look it looks slightly different, but it's still them. Yeah, you know what I mean they're, they're still and I I don't know whether it's a case of two brothers doing two set like one does one, one one strip and one does another um the, the, the discovery of vanyo is something that's kind of ongoing for me right and I, i've been i have pondered um in the past i mean i, I just don't I, I don't have the, <laughs> the talent for it to do one of those you know the search for vanyo kind of books yes um to really sort of shine a light on the work of of these brothers um because the more you see of it the more it, it the consistency and the the um just the penmanship the the inking um they're not afraid of backgrounds they're not afraid of vehicles they, they weren't afraid of anything no. it seems and uh they plus they also do quite a nice sort of range of they mix up the the panel boxes and stuff it's not a standard it's not a standard nine panel grid or things they mix things up and like some things are breaking out of panels and people are it, it, it was always exciting stuff i think that was why i became an immediate fan of them when i was a kid right um and their style is, is kind of hard to imitate as well yes i can't imitate anyone anyone's style but you know it looks it looks fairly effortless and almost animated in a way uh, you know it's um it, there is there is movement to it there's um, a lot of action yeah. and movement on these pages isn't there yeah 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 uh and lots of speed lines you know because with with a character like death wish they're going to be driving cars yeah they're going to be flying planes they're going to be doing things that mm. you know this isn't a sit down and have a discussion about how your trauma affected you kind of book this is a i'm gonna get in a car and drive it through a burning building yes um and and fire that's another thing i love about the way they do fire because for me that's a very whenever i've tried to draw a fire it's just it's, it's an awful thing to draw yeah you know it's because it's such a any element i think is a difficult thing whether it be fire water um which is why to get it working in just black and white, which is what these comics were, just black and white, is a special thing. And everything looks like it's supposed to be. I mean, sometimes when you study the panels, you just think, oh, that, that's just a bunch of scratchy lines. But then when you set, set back, oh, no, that's like a that's like a burning block of wood. Yeah. Like Do you know what I mean? It's, there's a mastery to it. Uh, and also, very importantly, you know, you know who people are. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a, you know... Everyone doesn't look the same. They mix, you know, they mix up who's in the audiences. It's. I, I was just re- reading this one. 
especially like every panel is is almost it's full in some sort of way even if it's just a headshot the head will be front and center yeah yeah i, I it was a kind of when i read this it was it was discovering one of their i guess early uk works right i could be wrong i probably probably are I, I may be i may be wrong but saying that this could be the what started off the beautiful friendship and relationship between barry tomlinson and vanya because as he said on on our show like they knew that if they need someone that's you know fast reliable and will be able to deliver what you've got to have artists like this are hugely important yes you know and why you go to art agencies um, but for me, you know, taking all the the real life publishing and artwork aside, as a kid, it's just action, action, action. It is. I mean, how can you not? How can you not love that? <laughs> so, like, as you say, yeah, uh, yeah, three or I four mean, there's, pages, there's and pages, it's just yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some pages where it is literally just a man falling, <laughs> and it's like two two pages worth, but they make it work. Yeah, but they make it work. Um, yeah and it's it's just wonderful stuff and also like there's just a nice design element to it as well the way the pages are sort of laid out and it just separated them and and it's something that followed well whenever i've seen like their work on like turbo jones or like storm force and stuff that that follows through yeah do you know what i mean it's a style thing rather than um just being for death wish um but yeah I i i i think it's definitely been an influence on me in a lot of ways the way that sort of panels move and stuff it, and it will influence me further just mi- mixing things up plus i'm really jealous at how they drive uh, how they draw cars <laughs> and i gather from dave you mentioned hibernia press i gather from david mcdonald from hibernia press that eduardo used to do the penciling and then vicente i think would do the inking and then if it needed color for the covers it would go back to eduardo for that and that's how they were they were so quick i think um oh well that would that would make sense i mean i i think i um vaguely you know i, I do remember something like that I, I think for the mind of wolfie smith they might have switched places right oh I right art, i i think the art style of that might be a bit different which is probably it completely explains what you just said as yeah. well you know because um i can't imagine that they draw exactly the same style <laughs> yeah um, and I gather yeah. they drew all of Death Wish and they only missed one week. And the reason they missed that one week was because the art got lost in the post from Spain to England. That was oh, the only reason. God, yeah. And, that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when discovering, like, how some of the... I mean, things like terrible things like that happen, but also when you know, like, how some of the the original artwork will never be seen again yes because it's been lost to time or or water damage or wherever someone's done it you know someone put it behind a cupboard and it rotted away or something and that just makes my heart sink because i think i'm not a huge original art collector i mean i do love it i mean i've got one or one or two pieces i mean uh sequential art yeah i mean um but to have one or two Vanyo pages is kind of like a grail thing for me. Right. It's kind of, um, and it's, and it's always the one, like when people talk about who's your great, you know, who is your, for you, your, your greatest artist. And obviously people are talking about like, you know, the legends like Kirby or the the endless names. And the one name that always comes to my head first is Vanyo. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's like, yeah, it's, it's them. Um, But they're, 
they're a mystery at the same time. Oh. I think partly because because it was agency work as well. Yes. I think that this Bardon agency, I think it was, wasn't it? That yeah. they worked for who did yeah, who would provide a lot of British comic book art. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Stormforce, yeah. I'm I'm not familiar with. What was what was Stormforce? <laughs> Stormforce was brought about because and it happened. It started in battle because there was Battle Action Force. Yes, you remember that it had Action Force for the longest time, and I think uh, Vanya was working working on that as well on the Action Force strips. And when they lost the Action Force license, um, as your as as happens, yeah, they needed something to sort of replace that. So they basically created their own little commando team, if you know what I mean, uh, for want of a better word. You had um, John Storm, who was a um, he was a uh, like a former so- soldier who had lost his arm, and now he had a replacement sort of arm where you could replace it with a flamethrower or or like a chainsaw right. or any kind of things. There was. Um, <laughs> There was Stiletto, who was the female of the team, um, who um, had two Uzis. Um, there was there, there was a, basically there was lots of different characters. Um, I'm I'm actually putting together a collection for myself, just purely for myself at the moment. Um, and it was one of those, you know, you have the team over six weeks, you get an arc. Do you know what I mean? Or or six issues, you know, you and it just keep going like that. And when battle sort of ended and was absorbed by Eagle, it then moved to Eagle. And it went under a lot of people's radars, I, I think. But, you know, the more I I talk about it or the more that, you know, when I certainly when I say things, I know, for instance, Richard, Richard Sheaf, he's he's a massive Stormforce fan. And um, it is, um, it's one of those things that some people sort of say, oh, well, that's just a knockoff of that. You know, they were just doing this, this cheap little team just to fill that gap. That's what it may be for some people. But for me, it was a bunch of really cool characters. And going back and reading it, it holds up. It holds up. Plus, in comics in, the, in, in, in my childhood, when I'm reading them, the amount of death that happens in this... <laughs> It is. You don't think about it, but like they're just absolutely taking people out. It's not. It's not. It's not gory. It's not bloodthirsty. You know. It's just a an explosion and an ah. But there is like full on reading back. I was like, cool. This is pretty pretty intense. They go. They they're pretty intense and and wonderful. But yeah, and of course, Stormforce were were run by your Professor Xavier sort of character called the Mole. Um, who was basically had created all their vehicles, so they had a jet, they had like a submarine, you know, they had like an underwater thing, they had all of that. It was a, it was a kid's dream. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was that. It was following that. It was following that format of uh, certainly in that sort of 1987 is, which is when it started, um, which was also at the probably the, the boom of the animated shows. Do you know what I mean as well? You know, when you, when you get like your Thundercats or your, your He-Man and, you know, all these things where there were teams of little characters. Um, and it just hit me at the, at the right time. And it just felt like I, it sort of existed and it kept going. Um, and the more I've sort of gone back to find more sort of old issues. And also it was Vanyo for most of it. There was a couple of um, issues that I've discovered that all like, the, the Christmas specials um, that were drawn by someone else. 
but once again for for most of it it was them right they 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 did the whole thing so there's a wonderful consistency going through the whole the whole thing yeah and i absolutely love it i think uh at one point i'll, I'll just do a deep dive on it because um it has been my uh when i started going to comic marts i was like what do i you know how did it, well, you can't go to a comic mart and have nothing to collect you know, you just you just basically walking around not knowing what to buy. <laughs> so then, then when I thought about that, I thought, oh, let's look for those old issues again, and that's been a joy and also a challenge trying to figure out what which week you need. Right. And then, and what I'm doing is basically I'm taking those issues and I'm scanning them, and because I'm just thinking this wonderful Death Wish book that we we've got that we're talking about. They won't do this for Storm Force. Right. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. I'd love it if it did. Mark, mark this down in your calendar. If it happens, that will we'll right again. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, um, so I just thought, if no one's going to collect this, like take the artwork, clean clean a scan up, and then print it, I'll do it myself. So I'm I'm going back and I'm trying to collect them all, and I'm scanning them and I'm just cleaning it, cleaning up the black and white artwork, and I'm putting together like a like a 200 page book that I'll, I'll just print just for myself a one of a kind book that I can just go through wow. and, and read. Yeah. And it's been, it's been fun. It's also, it's oddly sort of, it's quite complicated because you need to figure out because it's not paid. You don't necessarily have issue numbers. You've got to go by the week. Right. It comes out and you're thinking, right, well that, that story is part of that. And that it's, I've, I've had to be quite organized which is which is terrible. <laughs> I know I, I know I do a podcast, but I'm not good at organisation <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, so that's Stormforce. Fantastic. Could, yeah. And if um, you mentioned Grail Pages and Vanu, let's play the Grail Page game. If I offered you all of this artwork from this issue of this collection of Deathwish, or from you know Stormforce as well, what pages would you pick to own? Oh, let, let's deal with let, let's deal with Deathwish. Okay, should we say Deathwish because this is the the one we're referencing? There were a couple of pages I looked at. I, I think um, any page where he takes his mask off is certainly a yeah. It's one that you, you notice. Let's have a look. There's some ski jump pages which are quite amazing. I would say page sixty two of the book has a wonderful sort of a Blake Edmonds doing his Eddie the Eagle Edwards um, pose. There was one one towards the back of the book that I really liked, actually. I think it was one of those Biff Bam Pow kind of pages. So there's 62, as you say, the Eddie the yeah. Eagle, yeah. Yeah. Is it, I mean, it was Eddie the Eagle before Eddie the Eagle. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember when Eddie the Eagle was. Um, there's a lot of this book that is vehicles. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you like planes, if you like cars then you're in for a treat. <laughs> I think some of like the earlier pages, I think some of the, um, I, I noticed, I think page, as grim as it may be, page seven is quite a, quite a good one, quite an interesting one. I think, I think in terms of like an iconic introduction, I think page four, which you see Blake Edmonds, this is before, this is pre mask sort of things. Yeah, um, that's a beautiful one. But I think I've got I've got a real hankering for decent vehicles. I think uh, for me, probably page thirty-one. I I can't really explain it, but I really like that police car. That's a <laughs> <It's> look. <drawn. laughs> 
page um, 31 th- here he is there's oh a yes plane, there's a plane beyond it yeah there's also the death wish sort of banner on there as well which is um which says it all i think you know that's quite an impactful sort of banner yeah and you know you've got it all you've got vehicles you've got the mask you've even got <laughs> you've even got uh, i mean in these days if you had the original page you'd probably have the speech bubbles sort of stuck on as well wouldn't you you would yes which and, would be nice um, so you, with that, with page 31, you'd even get the classic, the final bit of dialogue. If you had a face like this, maybe you think differently. <laughs> um, so it's really keeping up the positive vibes of the book throughout the whole thing. That's actually the strip that, that ends with him heading towards the point that's about to go uh, in a very uncomfortable place. very Yes, the nasty parachute fall. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one? Yes, it is. Yes, right. He's going he's gonna yeah, to end up. Yeah, it, it is that one. Yeah. Yeah, I've just turned um, you back to page twenty-six for me, which is the train crash. Uh, is it twenty-six? It's twenty-six. It's twenty-six in the oh, digital. 20, Twenty-four on the paper. I think it is. There you go. Yeah, oh yes, yes. That's got. That's one that is um, less straight, sort of black and white. Some of these pages are just black and white inks. That one's got some lovely sort of um, sort of ink washes on it as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Yeah, it's got. That's, yeah. And yeah, the train crash like... has got so much movement and violence and explosion in it. Um, yeah. Because they've done a film yeah. stunt where they want to film a train crash. So they decide rather than doing any sort of special effect, they will just crash two trains. <laughs> because, you know, why wouldn't you? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And who's going to be uh, involved in it? Who's going to drive it? Blake, yeah. Blake, Blake, Blake himself, because pff, he doesn't care. <laughs> So I'll, I'll yeah. post all these various Grail pages up when this episode comes out in the middle of February, Vince, and people yeah, can yeah. see what we're talking about in this wonderful Vanyo art. Yeah, you could you could um, post. Uh, there's numerous pages in this thing that I could pick through. Beautiful, wonderful. So that's. Uh, I, I, I guess. Do you know if any Vanyo art does exist still? I really hope so. I, I also hope. I haven't seen any. Um, please, if someone's out there and they they do know where it is. where it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, point me in the direction of it. Um, and also, uh, for, for me, it's also the sequential pages, and not not necessarily. I mean, I'd love any of it, but you know, hey, sometimes the only thing you can find is a sketch of something, yeah, you know, like a head sketch. But you know, the actual pages, I hope they're not lost to time, or make you know. Because there's a lot of beautiful work out there that I would, um, I mean, at any page in this, this, they can't, this book itself, how did they get the pages? They, would they have just, they literally posted them over from Spain, didn't they? But, um, in terms of like, uh, but then once it's in the hands of the publisher, it could, they could have been lost the time. Yeah. In terms of this collection, um, how did Rebellion get hold of the page? You know, were they were these still intact? No, I think or this is a- probably doing what you're doing, which is scanning the original scanning, comics yeah, and then yeah. cleaning it up, uh, getting rid of all the bleed through from the cheap paper and uh, then putting them out in these nice collections. Yeah, it does feel like that because, like, you know, um, I'm looking at the, the clean... That I mean, thankfully, their artwork is nice and crisp. So when you, when you just up in, up in the contrast of the levels, you don't have to do too much. No. As long as you've got a decent scan of it. Um, yeah. So but hopefully, one day, one day, one I'll probably day find a piece and then never, never, be, never be able to afford it. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's 
that isn't going to happen. <laughs> okay, so Vince, I'm going to turn you from artwork that may not exist, but we possibly might be able to afford it, to artwork that we know does exist, and as we'll talk about in a few minutes, we can't afford. Um, this is a real left turn, because I know... I don't know how I know this, but I know you're a big fan of Bernie Wrightson's uh, illustrated Frankenstein. Is that right? Yes, yes. And, and an enormous fan. And tell me quickly, what was the book that you discovered this in? Um, it is a book that um, is on my shelf. It was an old, old book of my brother's. It was called Dream Makers, um, put out by Paper Tiger. And it's basically a fantasy art book about six fantasy artists. And uh, Bernie Wrightson was one of them. And um, I mean, it's full of beautiful, stunning art. But then they focused on a, on like a, a lot of like sort of individual pieces. But they they showed they shone a light on these Frankenstein pieces. And this was a this was a book that I just stared at over and over and over again. It didn't have all of them either. It just like you know just had a, had a select few. And I would just stare at those pages and stare at those pages. So when I could get my hands on, you know, the actual book itself when, um, you know, I had a job and I had money and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I managed to get a, a copy of it, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's, it's Mary Shelley's book. It is just, you know, the Frankenstein book. It just so happens that Bernie Wrightson has done a load of black and white illustrations, which are the most beautiful artwork in the world in the history of the world <laughs> in the world, in the history of the world just so yeah, absolutely yeah this is i mean bernie writes and obviously best known for swamp thing and all those horror comics and so yeah. on uh, and also for collaborating with i think romero and king and a few other filmmakers um, yeah. And in 1983, I don't know how it comes to be a Marvel book, but Marvel bring out a reprint of, as you say, Mary Shelley's novel with illustrations by Wrightson. There's over 40 illustrations in this book. I think it was originally a hardback and a paperback. They're very hard to get hold of now. And Wrightson had spent seven years as a sort of little side project, a little pet project of his own, doing these illustrations for Frankenstein while still doing, yeah. you know, his regular comic gigs to pay the bills, wasn't he? Yeah. And this isn't sequential stuff either. This is, like, your full page. Like, when you're looking at a novel and, like, one of the pages is an illustration, that's what this is. Yes. Um, and there's no speech bubbles. There's nothing like that. He's literally... It's, it's a classic book, book illustration. And I picked up um, a 1994 reprint, which uh, I think possibly was to try and tie in with the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein film that was coming out. Right. Uh, yeah. I know you've got the more recent hardback edition at the moment. This you? is the the one I've got is the Dark Horse sort of... It's, it's a big... I want to say oversized. It's certainly oversized for a prose book. Um, yeah, and it's... So you can just see the artwork in all its glory. Weird thing is, I haven't read, I, I haven't read the prose this book right i mean I, I, I read the story a long long time yeah. ago but for this was this is one of my ultimate art books if that makes sense yes so you know we've got 40 plus full page black and white single sort of illustrations from moments from the original novel if you can i mean it's difficult to do so but can you describe 
what Bernie Wrightson's done on some of these pages. What he's done masterfully is he's he's captured an emotional moment of the story. And um, there's a lot of, th- obviously there's a lot of different things going on in Frankenstein. Uh, but what he's done is with atmosphere and just black and white, just, and lots of like hatching and cross hatching and an, an absolutely unrivaled um, mastery over lighting and how shadows fall. He perfectly encapsulates a moment as like all book illustrations you want to do, they, you just take a paragraph and just sort of say, right, draw a picture of what's happening here. Um, but they obviously have to be sort of poignant moments or strong moments, like when, you know, Victor's with the creature for the first time or certainly when the creature's walking around by himself. And there is, it's not just ah a monster type book. This is a very emotional sort of stuff. It's not... Yes. Even even at the moments where there's there's really sort of horrific things happening or grim things, it's almost like the short aftermath, like um, when Victor's when, when Frankenstein himself, um, his his is it wife or lover or whatever is murdered. Um, so his you can't, wife, you, yes, Elizabeth, his wife, it. yeah, is murdered by um, the creature, um, and it's just like a panel of him holding her yeah you, you don't, there's not there's not an emphasis on anything gruesome it's it's that moment of sort of anguish and torment or uh, one of my favorite um pages is when the creature's just sort of hiding away in what looks to be like a chicken coop yes and and you can just see the light sort of entering and and but he's he's hiding his face but you can just see his eye sort of creeping over his bicep and it's just it's it's emotive storytelling at its best it's taking the i mean i don't know whether he chose the piece you know he chose the moments or and i certainly on my book i don't know what, what it is with yours um with that one there's always a sort of line underneath it yes so for instance the one i'm looking at here is that the, the creature sort of almost sort of diving or tumbling off a mountainside as Frankenstein sort of in the distance looking down. And it just says, I saw him descend the mountain with greater speed than the flight of an eagle. Um, so it's almost like he's taken the, these one lines and then embellished it into something. Yeah. Truly astonishing. Yeah. Truly astonishing. And it's all sort of black and white ink and the line work, the amount of lines on each page uh, you can see why the project took him seven years to complete. Um, yep. Yeah. It would take us probably seven years to get a corner of one of these, or you know. Uh, yes. It's because also yeah, it's amazing what he's managed to do because also it's at, the detail is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is one double-page spread which becomes also like the wraparound image on the cover, I think, or at least part of the cover, um, which is the creature confronting Frankenstein in his laboratory. And the detail on that page is mind-boggling. The amount of stuff that's going on in the background, uh, the sort of like the, 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 the robe that's hanging off the creature's back, the, the muscles standing out on his neck, it's all just so beautifully rendered, isn't it? It's just, 
it's one of um, my favorite images of all time. Yes, that, and I, I think because it is, you know, this is such a powerful moment. It's not going to be a one-page job. Yeah, this is, you know, there's there's a lot more going on, and the fact that, like you said, you know, you could there's a real um, there's a real power in in the artwork because you can stand and you can look at it for months. You could look at that double page spread for months. Yeah. Um, but probably when you first look at it, you're looking at the moment you're looking at the creature facing off against Frankenstein. You know, you're not looking, it's only afterwards that you just see, my God, look at everything else around there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just found, I mean, it's just an absolutely stunning piece. And, I, I think it's been influential. I mean, not just because there's the lab, there's the there's the body on the table in front, which obviously takes a certain amount of, you know, knowledge to draw something like that. It is, <laughs> it's having that wonderful artistic sort of. There's no budgets to it. You don't have a set. You don't have a budget for the set. Yeah. The artist can just do whatever he wants. And this is, I think, for Frankenstein, this is the ultimate lab, isn't it? It's like. If an artist has an ideal studio they'd like to work in, this would be Frankenstein's lab because he's just stocked everything. Yes. Um, but like you say, the the line, the cross hatching and the line work just makes me weep. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is so beautiful. It comes with the line from the book, that faithful line where the creature promises his creator, I shall be with you on your yeah. wedding night, which, of course, as you say, leads later to the, the scene of Frankenstein holding his dead wife's body. Um, yeah. It's such a thing. Now, I, I put this in our notes, so we know about this already, because yes, we play this fantasy grail page game, often not yeah. knowing if the artwork exists or how much it would actually be worth. This one I do know... <laughs> This one, yeah, and when you said it blew my mind. <laughs> so this went up for auction, this double-page spread, and Frank Darabont, the director of Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile and The Mist, bought it for $1.2 million, which is certainly beyond the fantasy budget of uh, the Mega City Book Club and the Awesome Comics <laughs> podcast combined. Yeah, 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 just a, just a bit. If we just put our fourpence halfpenny together, it's not going to do it, is it? <laughs> No, no. Um, I wonder how big the original piece is. That would be fascinating to know, wouldn't it? Yes. Because obviously, you know, a lot of the joy of like the uh, comic book pages is not, like when you work on l larger pages, seeing it shrunk down and, and it looks so much more detailed right. than it actually is. And like, there's no way he worked on this like to the scale we're looking at. It must, it must have been an enormous piece. Yes. Now, of course, uh, Guillermo del Toro also owns some of the Frankenstein pieces, and he did exhibit them in 2017, shortly after Bernie Wrightson's sad death from a brain tumour. So um, I guess we could there was a chance we could have actually have seen some of them at the, uh, the Guillermo. Um, I think he does the exhibition at his house, I think, doesn't he? Or he has a house. Yes, although, yeah, he has a... Um, uh, yeah, is it Bleak House? Is that what he's called it? I is think, it? I right. That might be... Um, well, I'm not sure. I, I could be wrong on that. I know it's, he's got some sort of macabre name for it, which is quite funny. But I know that house is actually filled with um, sort of all kinds of artwork and things. And he has taken that on tour. He's done like a traveling right. sort of tour with it before. W whether you'd want to take this artwork out uh, into the great wide, wide world. But um, 
Yeah, I'd love to know what pages he's got. Yes. And if anybody anybody listening knows the details of the original art size, do get in touch and let us know. We'd be fascinated. Um, Yeah. It is a thing of beauty, this book, in whatever format you can get it. Uh, There is, I think... The Dark Horse hardbacks about twelve years ago, but they've done they've put it out more recently, and I'm told there's a paperback version coming in April twenty one to perhaps look out for. Um Oh really? Yeah. The original books, the original Marvel books, some of them go for five hundred pounds, the nineteen eighty three ones I've seen. Particularly oh, the wow. hardback, I think. Um, yeah. I noticed there's some guy on eBay at the moment, he's selling just the uh the dust cover for the hardback on its own, which, of course, is that image, the uh, the laboratory image. I mate. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein, with an introduction by yeah. Stephen King. I've got another introduction by Ron Mars in this version, I think, as well. Um, yeah. Uh, because of the, the novel coming out. Um, he worked with Frank Darabont on The Mist, that incredibly bleak adaptation of Stephen King's novella. Yeah. Um, so uh, he also worked with Stephen King on Cycle of the Werewolf. Oh yes. Yes. Now well, yeah. when I mentioned Frankenstein a lot of people mentioned Cycle of the Werewolf as well. Yeah. yeah. W- which was then turned into the film Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. That's Silver it. Bullet? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's certainly got a some classic rights and images of like drawing werewolves just tearing people's faces off yeah um yeah it, it hasn't it doesn't necessarily have the classy sheen of this frankenstein um but it's still still amazing stuff it is just um one of the most singular works of art or you know collective works of art that we've ever seen isn't it um, yeah and probably as we yeah. said also possibly the most expensive artwork we've ever considered on this podcast i was talking about yeah. the gaze into the fist of dread page because i spoke to the guy who owns it and i you know um nobody ever says how much they pay for artwork but i'm sure it wasn't 1.2 million dollars so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i mean the thing is it says a lot about the artwork because he's been pushed up he, he didn't just sort of say i'll have it for 1.2 it's obviously gone to auction and he's that must have must have, yeah, yeah, gone up there. Yeah, a lot of people want it. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope it's pride, like pride of place in his house. Must be shortly. Must be, yeah, shortly. Yeah. So just to go back, yeah. Death Wish is available from Rebellion in paperback for fourteen ninety nine, which is what you've got. I've got the nine ninety nine yeah. digital version. Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein as a hardback version for about twenty quid. There's a paperback version on the way. If you're looking on the Amazon page, don't get misled by the forty nine p Kindle version because that's just takes you to the original um, public domain novel. You want the uh, you want the hard copy. Um, yeah, yeah. You need to. You, if you ask me, I mean, I I do read a lot of stuff digitally, but with stuff like this, you need to sort of sit with it in your lap and just look at it on the page. Yeah, to see an actual. Yeah, it printed. I think that's the only way to do it justice. And if I pimp for another podcast, uh, you ought to do a deep dive on Bernie Wrightson with Tony Esmond on his Never Iron Anything podcast and do Frankenstein. Yes, well, yes, definitely, because um, I know the guys from the podcast got me a, a Bernie Wrightson sort of art book one Christmas. Was it my birthday? I can't remember. And it was lots of, um, I think, it, if I remember correctly, it was lots of concept designs and storyboards and stuff that he did for a uh, an animated project that never came to light. Right. 
Um, yeah, I just like uh, yeah, I love Wrightson. But the thing is, when I say oh, I love for me, Wrightson is the Frank. You know, when I think Wrightson, I think Frankenstein. But as soon as I say oh, I love Bernie Wrightson, people always go ah, yeah, Swamp Thing. I haven't really read much of his Swamp Thing. Right. I mean, that's another thing that you know. It's the other stuff. It's almost like the more illustration stuff, like Cycle of Airwolf and Frankenstein, is what I know him for. Yeah. So, Absolutely yeah, beautiful. He's a legend and, and so, sorely missed. Yeah, sorely, sorely missed. missed. Yeah, I did. Uh, he was at one of the London Super Comic Cons, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a copy of Swamp Thing, initial Swamp Thing signed by him, I think. Um, oh, lucky boy. I know. I wish I'd brought this now. To, but to, to, anyway, so let's do guest projects. He, he might have been like, oh, that thing. That thing again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that old thing I knocked up in my spare time. <laughs> that's one of the most uh, gorgeous bits of black and white illustration you will ever yeah. see yeah <laughs> so Vince let's do guest projects let's go back to the awesome comics pro- podcast for a moment it's now approaching 300 episodes how on earth did you come up with the idea to begin with what what prompted you to start it um, I think it was um, I love process uh, stuff like making of films making you know making a comic you know documentaries and stuff and obviously i, I want to make my own comics but there I, I just wanted something that create what you want to see in the world that's what a lot of people say isn't it and it was like right i, I like independent comics and going to a comic convention and those people that are making comics off their own backs how do they do it what are their tricks you know what can i learn from them and also what can i discover and i thought well there's a gap there's you know there's a uh, there's a there's a market for like the independent and shining a light on all these amazing things that are just as good as as any sort of like big publisher, if not better, a lot of the time. Um, so I was like, right, okay, I've got the idea, and then I went away and did the due diligence, and um, I didn't sort of tell anyone. I, I was yeah, I, I talked to Dan Butcher, uh, creator of uh, Vanguard webcomic. Uh, about the idea it was it all started as these things do with just a bit of social media waffle right um where i was just going backwards and forwards with dan about it. and then tony esmond um our third host he popped in because we were all becoming sort of chums at the time and he was like oh i'd love to be involved and i was like oh great so i went away and figured out how can i actually do this learned how to do a podcast <laughs> yep yep um but at the same time keep it Rough and ready, you know, rough around the edge. Very much the sort of guerrilla style of sort of podcasting and and stay true to the indie sort of roots of what it would be anyway. Um, and that that worked. I thought about that even down to the design of the logo and everything. Yeah, and then we we just went ahead and did it and see who we, you know, what we what would we talk about, who could we talk to, and it just took off from there, really. Um, obviously, it's got a fairly... It doesn't scream independent comics. That you know, it's got a fairly broad title, um, and I and I'm still well. I'm not surprised because it's it's just um, we've stuck to it, and we're almost 300 episodes. Like you say, 300. I can't can't get me around that. And of course, sadly, you can't be in the pub for your 300s. Any plans for what you'll be doing no. with that? We've got a few ideas. It, it, um, it'll be probably silly nonsense. It'll be, um, you know, we've done things like, uh, you know, quizzes, Q&As, all kinds of nonsense when it comes to like our special numbers, if you want to say something like that. 
Um, so we'll, but yeah. So this whole situation as it is, we'll think of something. Well, we'll we'll come up with something. Well, when it comes to the, those sort of numbers, because we're very much we like to get guests on, try to get as many sort of different guests and new guests as we as we, as we can. Um, but I think for that one, it will just be us, um, three amigos. Yeah, three the three amigos as we we've called them. Uh, we keep there's these little phrases that come up that that start off as just being something you say, and then all of a sudden it it's a it's a thing. We just thought oh, it's just a three amigos show, and now that's that's the term for it. We call people like, oh, they're a good egg, and now um, now you've got badges for good eggs. We've got <laughs> yes, thanks to the charity drive, which um, which was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's been fun, and that's the and it's there's no end in sight. But we're always on the lookout for new, and this is comics from all over the world as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just discovering and and trying to get the inspiration going, especially in this time at the moment where you know sometimes it's it's quite difficult to create or you know hopefully we entertain. Yes, as well. It is very entertaining. It's very positive. I love that. It's always a very positive show. I do sometimes think that you're the you're the wrangler for uh, Dan and Tony. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to train the cat. <laughs> yeah, herding um, cats. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. There is that. And there has to be. I mean, as you know, like when you when you have your own, like when you host a sort of show, even if you've got co-hosts and stuff, there's the person that because I sort of produced it as well. Yeah. And do the editing and stuff. So there is that having the structure. There, there is a even though some sometimes people go, oh, that show's just nonsense. It's absolute waffle, but there is a structure to it. There is a we have to get get to this point at this. Yeah, you know, we've got to talk about here. We've got the sponsor bit. We've got the recommendations. We like to. I mean, there's nothing. There's no one telling us it has to be that way. But I find it's just so much easier when you know. Yeah, yeah. You've got a structure of where you're going and what you're doing, and then by the end we're just because it's like usually about two hours long by the end the coffee's worn off and we've all gone a bit doolally yeah um so by the time it comes to sign off it's just how how badly is this sign off gonna go this week <laughs> stay awesome uh, yeah oh yeah stay awesome yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of my favorite moments of the show actually was when we had the 200th which was just a little event we uh, meet up in a pub to, to do a live show, if you could call it that. And and it, the audience was great, but just getting a lot of people to sort of say, stay awesome at the end. This is, <laughs> right, bucket list, tick. <laughs> I haven't got a very good bucket list. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so head to awesomecomics.podbean.com for the Awesome Comics yeah. podcast. Go to the website and check out episode 147. The links will both will be in the show notes for this episode because um, yeah. that's the Barry Tomlinson episode. The drink and draws continue, the virtual drink and draws. They, they do indeed. I believe the next one will be on there every – not every Friday. They're on Fridays, and I think the next one is the 4th of Feb. Around that time, oh, I haven't looked at my calendar, but um, yes, usually uh, one drink and draw a month, hosted by Tom Curry. Yep. Um, at this Chucklehead. Um, so if anyone wants to get involved with a drink and draw, it is literally just turning up and just it's, it's just a nice social event. Yeah. You just turn up. They do a bit of doodling. Sometimes you're there for the whole time. Other times you just turn up, say hello, and then skip off again. But it's just lots of 
it's positivity. Yeah, that's that's what I like about it. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just ha- having a good time. Um, yeah. One so. of the signatures of the Awesome's Comics podcast is positivity and being supportive of other people's efforts, isn't it? Yeah, well, we try. We try. Yeah. I mean, I do have my rant about the pricing of digital, which I'm doing far too much. So I'll <laughs> <enter>. <laughs> There are those moments when I, I think every sort of yeah. fan is like grumbles about something, but yeah, we we keep it positive. Certainly about other people's work and what you should be checking out. It's always I don't review books. I recommend books. I'm not I'm not a journalist, right? Do you know what I mean, yeah, I, I'm just sort of like I read this. This is cool. Check it out. Um, if I don't like it, yeah. If I if I don't like it, I'm not going to put it on my podcast because you you wouldn't if you were down the old cafe or pub with your friends. You're not gonna talk about a book you don't like no them. no <laughs> well that's what i mean that's what happens with this podcast nobody ever brings up a book they don't like really you know yeah 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 tell us about your own comics vince what have you got out at the moment or what's coming up well i mean i've got a few sort of things in the sort of pipeline i'm throwing a lot of ideas about um a lot of pretty much all of my comics are readily available out there in some way shape or form um i've got a, a a comic on Instagram called Black B L A K. Yes, which is um, uh, Black the comic, which is going to be starting up again soon after a small hiatus. That was is very much a, a surreal fantasy Conan style journey that is all done in in one color. Um, hence the title, and it's um, I'm working with uh, one of my um, friends, Daniel Mark Chant, who's a bit of a writer, and it's. Little bit ethereal, a little bit strange, a little bit weird, and also uh, lots of monsters. <laughs> I seem to draw monsters a lot in stuff. Well, that's um, all right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's on that's on the Instagram. That's black also an the comic. Just... Black the comic on Instagram with the, as you say, it's B L A K, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, eventually, there will be a collection of that, but um, I'm just and also it's just a it's like an artistic experiment, really. That. Um, Murder Road um, will have a collection later this year. I, I, that will be coming. Probably, I'll probably aim for sort of a Halloween type release. That was um, that was my John Carpenter style um, slasher, but with a, a muscle car um, that I did that was originally in the Awesome Comics anthology. Oh, I've got that um, one just below me here under the desk. Yes. Oh. Thank you for buying it. That's right. Um, <laughs> I appreciate every sale. Now, um, but that well, with that because it's also there's been a you know it's been a year, a couple of years since it came out. I'm going to be adding a, a bit of back matter to it, doing a director's cut, shall we say, of it for the collection as well. So um, yeah, that one. And I'm I'm the artist on the Monster Spotters Club, which is in the Spark. That's written by Tony Esmond. Oh right, yes. That's, um, that's that's me doing a a one page kids comic, um, which is about basically um, alien, like an alien scout troop who are just discovering monsters on every page. Um, that's been a lot of fun to do because that's sort of different. It's I'm a big kid. And it surprised me that a lot of the stuff that I, I, I sort of lean towards working aren't necessarily kid comics. So I think I'm I'm going to lean more in that direction um, for some future stuff. So that's available at the Spark. And like the Red Mash from Mars and Stalkerville are, are widely available on Comic House um, as well, that app. And um, 
I've been pondering the red mask was something that was very near and dearer to my heart. And then there was a hiatus from it and it's been difficult to get back to it, to get in the mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it's almost like leaving the band, going off, doing other music and then coming back to the band and it doesn't quite. Right. It, it's not the same. So, um, but you know, you can find it. I think the red mask from Mars.com is, is still available and stuff. And, um, yeah, find out more about it there. I was thinking about him recently, actually. Strange how things come. Yeah, it's cyclic- cyclical, isn't it? Is that that is, yeah. Oh. Things come back cyclically yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah. And you can so, go to uh, neverironanything.bigcartel.com, which is where I think Tony's put up quite a number of the awesome comic podcasts' own comics. Uh, yeah. MI666, I see, is up there, and your Devil's yes. Sketchbook. Um, Where's MI666, which is probably the most recent. Of mine, and the first one I've written on my own. Right, it's just a, I, I, not my art. It's the amazing Andy Bloor, um, of Wolfman and uh, Midnight Man. Um, and he's a good friend. We work together on that. Um, that that's been a blast to do and to see that out in the world. And I've noticed that Andy's um, he's got original pages for sale as well. So uh, oh, right, seeing people have been buying those and sort of posting them on as we want to do now aren't we yes uh, every time you buy something new you post it online when you get it in the post and sure enough i've got some original artwork by andy it's stunning stuff and um he must be broke from all the ink he has to buy right <laughs> uh, because lots of heavy blacks and i love it but yeah mi666 is more of those traditional sort of um old grizzled veterans um who investigate cults and weird supernatural stuff and uh and demonic cults and the like and the adventures they go on i wanted to do a story that wasn't about like the beautiful people it's more about the the sort of um yeah the grizzled people the everyday everyday joes and joes going about keeping the world going yeah yeah so and that's been fun to do Uh, and uh the feedback's been nice which we really really appreciate so i've got a few ideas we well we've thrown ideas back and forwards there's a couple of ideas for they're sort of one and done books as well right quite look like so we're aiming for that sort of like you know a a sort of a a thread going in the background but you can still just read it right read each one Okay. So one and done. So yeah, yeah. So stay tuned for more news on that in the future as well. And all the links will be in the show notes for this episode to all of Vince's work, uh, the podcast, and the comics. Apologies, uh, apologies for all those links. I know what it's like to do it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and get yourself a copy of Death Wish because uh, it's great, particularly the Vanio yes, artwork. Yes. And look out for that upcoming release in paperback of Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein, a new release. Um, do yourself a favour. Give yourself a little treat this year because um, if you've not seen it, it's one of the most stunning artistic creations of all time. Yes. Yes. And it will probably become your the way you see the story of Frankenstein in your head. Absolutely, yes. And. Yeah. Big thanks, Vince, for giving up your time this snowy Sunday morning. Uh, this episode oh, will be... Oh, no, uh, thank you. That's, that's, it's been great. This will be episode 144, which is going to come out on Valentine's Day. So there we are. Um, oh, this, I, 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 it made sense. There's so much love in this room. There is, yes, it does. And so much love for comics. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. Great stuff. 
Thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all of these links at megacitybookclub.com. Check out the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2080 forums, or email me at mcbcpodcast@gmail.com. And that'll do us. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me. Bye.